Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and World of Warcraft and maybe other games if we ever get around to it. Not this week, though. Uh, I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got two fabulous co-hosts with me today. Uh, today, let's just go ahead and switch it up. We're going to go ahead and announce um, our first co-host. He's our shaman columnist on Blizzard Watch, and he also does a podcast called For the Lore, conveniently enough. It's Joe Perez. Say hi, Joe. Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us again. Yeah. And our second co-host, of course, the other author of Know Your Lore on Blizzard Watch, among many other things, Matt Rossi. Hi, Matt. Hello. How's everybody doing? Pretty good. I just saw the new Tom Cruise movie, but it's nothing to do with World of Warcraft, so I won't talk about it. But <laughs> okay. It's actually surprisingly say. good. It's actually, if you like movies with like characters who actually do things, it's not bad. I like movies and games with people and that stuff, do, yes. do things and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, just opposed to like, you know, just people, see, you know, there's lots of movies where people talk a lot. And this one, definitely, that is not a problem here. <laughs> not much. So what talking. you're saying is there is a lot of action. Yeah. It's yeah. very action oriented. Okay. Yeah. If you were, it's, it's sort of like when you, when you actually play World of Warcraft, if you, if you're doing a raid and you stop to think about why, as an example, Ragnaros does the things he does. No, just be worried about that hammer. It, yeah. You should probably be avoiding the smash thing yeah. because it'll shoot you in the lava and that's painful. Yes. So this week, we're not going to talk about Ragnaros, nor are we going to talk about strange films. We're actually going to talk about, um, well, we got some news, obviously, last week that uh, Gamescom next week, Blizzard is going to be announcing the next expansion for World of Warcraft, which is interesting. Um, we don't really know exactly where that's going to go or what we're going to be doing. But while we were chit-chatting about this on Twitter, we brought up Ashara. Because Ashara is a fascinating character in Warcraft history, and she's probably the biggest of the big villains that we have left in in the whole Warcraft universe, besides Sargeras and the rest of the Burning Legions. So she's we definitely in the top five, easily. Uh, easily, easily. So we figured we'd go ahead and talk about Ashara this week, who she is, where she came from, what is she up to, where has she been all of these years? So before, um, we get ro- before we get really rolling, can I like tell you guys this weird thing that occurred to me last night? Yes, please. Sure. Because because uh, we were talking about through the email chain what we were going to talk about, and, I, and something occurred to me before the the sundering, and mm-hmm. this is going to be stuff we're going to cover later, I'm sure. But before the sundering, there was no no place in all of Kalimdor named Ashara. There was a city named Zin Ashari. There was no Ashara. But after the sundering, and up until right now. The night elves decided that place right there, right next to where we live, that's that's called Ashara. And that got to me because why? Why did they call it Ashara? Probably because that's where Zin Ashari once was, but it fell into So they're like, oh, well, it's not Zin Ashari anymore. It's just Ashara. Wasn't it also at one time considered uninhabitable because of the Naga that roamed that region? And so it was just kind of left to the well, descendants no, no. of Ashara? The Naga only came back up when Illidan called them. Yeah. That oh, yeah, that's Warcraft true. 3, you know, only they were Illidan perfectly came. happy bopping around under the ocean. Yeah, they only came up because you know Illidan called them, and Ashara was like, "This should be fun." Okay, sure. You want you want my people to help you? I guess I'm over that whole thing you did, t- you know, ten thousand years ago when you <laughs> were instrumental in me ending up, a, you know, a snake woman. So sure, yeah. Okay, but let's play. I was, thinking, I was still thinking about it, though because there's ruins there, 
And they're not the ruins of Zinashari. No. So I keep thinking about it, and I keep thinking about that giant statue. There's a giant statue of a woman, just like mostly her head and stuff is left. And I think, I think that was her statue. I don't know. And I'm, I'm wondering, are we going to finally actually have some other use for Ashara besides place the, you know, the, the goblins ruined? Well, I think that's pretty much where it's been left now, is but, the place where goblins have ruined. And the other thing that, that really got started to think about is, like, they named it Ashara, and it's like they deliberately didn't live there. Like, there's this whole weird place. It's like, this is the place we don't go. It's like, so it was right next to Orgrimmar this whole time because nobody wanted it. Like, really, the Night Elves never wanted Ashara. They didn't do a, a thing there. They just kind of, it's ours, but we don't want it. So that kind of, I'm still thinking about it. Like, I wonder, I wonder it if it was something that they named after, because wasn't she, she was one of the more, she was beloved and she was revered for her beauty. And she was also, and I'm, I'm kind of curious about this because she was also noted for being one of the few that were born with gold eyes, right? Yeah. Right. Jara is a very gold zone. Like it's very autumny colored. I'm wondering if they named it after her as a result of that, or if it was something that existed prior to, or like, I don't know if it was just like a remembrance thing. Because as far as we know, elves have this weird. Because yeah. elves have this weird thing about really not caring if they're evil or not. They kind of always remember the past. It depends on the elves too, but that's that's another thing. We should probably start actually talking about Ashara herself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Joe, you started out with like talking about her, the eyes, all this other stuff. So do you want to jump in? Sure. So for those of you who don't know, and she was one of the most revered figures of El- Night, well, Night Elven or Highborn uh, lineage. She's also the cause of bringing all of this wonderful, horrible, burning legion goodness to us. Uh, <laughs> she, was, uh, she was a leader who, after her coronation, decided that she was going to call to have a city or her, her giant wonderful palace built on the shores of the well of eternity so that she can continue messing with powers well above her kin. Uh, it's one of those things where she's, she's one of those captivating figures in the past. Cause it was like it was, everything she did seemed to be about grabbing power. It was more about her own personal. She was a very vain Oh yeah, creature. Vain, she was always painted as a very vain creature, and you know she was born. Obviously, you know you said she was born with golden eyes in Night Elf society. That was supposed to be a mark of greatness or whatever. Um, there's no history as far as what her lineage actually is. Where she if came she from. comes from a royal line or if she's like. We don't even know if the Night Elves had lines of succession or anything like that back then. Because obviously, you know, that was 10,000 years ago. Nobody talks about who came before Ashara. There was just Ashara. And they Um, weren't... It's also important to remind out that they weren't immortal then. No, they were not immortal. They they probably had a lifespan more similar to like what we see now in like what High Elves and Blood Elves are. Where they can live a very long time. but not... Yeah. Not forever. So we don't know. We we don't know. Like we know that the night elves had like nobility and not just highborn. They weren't just the sorcerers. They were actual lords and ladies, like yeah. Lord Ravencrest. Um. So we they, don't know where she comes from, like you said, and we we know that you know the gold eyes, like Joe pointed out. We also know that from a very early age she ruled. Yeah, she, it was she, it was it was from a very early age, and it was also 
you know, I always find it interesting because they talk about how she was considered the most beautiful of night elves and she was the most powerful and all this other stuff. And the first thing that she did, you know, when she started her rule was she started picking out the people who were magically inclined and, and drawing them in close to her and everybody, it was like, let's work on the well of eternity magical dance party going on. Um, and only the people that she deemed worthy enough or strong enough, powerful enough to do this. Those were the highborn. Those, those were the original highborn. Those were the people. It was basically, they were the favorite of Ashara. Um, and what I always found interesting about Ashara is that the more that you get into her history, the more you wonder if she was really this glorious thing, this glorious creature, this beautiful, glorious creation, or if it was a compulsion that she was putting on people. Because she was supposed to be the most powerful mortal magic wielder of all time, yeah. A crazy amount, actually. So, basically what happened with it, uh, she started messing around with the Well of Eternity. All the Highborn started to mess around with the Well of Eternity. And that drew the attention of the Burning Legion. So we're going to tie this back into the Burning Legion. Um, and Rossi, do you want to talk about what happened with that? Well, it's interesting for two reasons. One is that she originally started off by having Xavius, who was effectively her, like, chancellor. I forget his exact, his exact title, but he was sort of her he was counselor. Counselor. Yeah, he, was he, he basically he was the guy. She would say, "I want X," and he would go do it. Whatever yep. it happened, he was nuts. Way before any of the the stuff with the well happened, he was crazy. He had his own eyes removed and replaced so that he could see magic better. This is, and he was one of the first guys to do this. Like this is something we hear about a lot, but you know, he did it by himself. He just decided to do this. Uh, he was the one leading the charge on the Well of Eternity project, which was basically she wanted Ashar wanted to control all the magic coming off the Well of Eternity, like all of it. No more letting other people pick up pieces. No, we're going to control absolutely all of it. Around this time, I believe that the Pandaren sent her a box, and the box was empty. Yeah, they sent yeah. they sent a box. It was a gift. This was in the uh, Pearl of Pandaria. I believe yeah. the Pearl of Pandaria graphic novel, there was a story, a Pandaren story, where they sent the Night Elves a box, and it was like, this is all you ever need, or something like that. I don't, I'd have so to go need, grab my... All, yeah, all you need to rule the world, or something like that, all you need to... Like, is all contained something. within, yeah. yeah. Yeah, is all contained within, and they opened it, and the box is empty, and, you know, the message was very clear, it was, you don't need this magic that you're using, and it's probably a terrible idea, but yeah, the Night Elves were not happy about that. Yeah, but the other thing, Ashar basically set them on this project and Xavius started carrying it out. And probing the well, it, it was sort of like jamming a stick in, into like, you know, something like a, you know, a hive or what have you. He had no idea what he was doing, but he drew the attention of the Legion. And he specifically drew the attention of Sargeras. Yeah. And Sargeras, you know. The head of the head of the Burning yeah. Legion, the guy who. Well, Sargeras is the guy that killed Jaden uh, and Archimonde, report to. He's like, you know, effectively the Warcraft settings devil. He is the most powerful entity that we know of. Um, he, might, he might be matched by the Pantheon, but we don't know. We've never really seen those guys, except in a couple of flashbacks. But Sargeras was like, okay, he basically grabbed. Uh, Xavius and like pulled his soul inside out and turned him turned him into a servant in, like a couple of seconds. Xavius got Ashara to look in the well, and Ashara saw an equal in the most powerful being that had ever existed. She looked at him and went, "He's almost as good as I am." 
I, think I that want to marry that man. <laughs> I, will never, I will never find anyone else even close to as good. He's almost as good as I am. So, yeah. I want that to be really – that's the thing about Ashara. That's the thing that really has to be stated is that she's so arrogant that when faced with a being who destroys worlds, she's like, yeah, okay, finally, my boyfriend. But then there's the question of whether that arrogance was born of – they they always paint her as insane, right? Like she's absolutely mad or she was this mad queen. But was it just that madness, or was it from the the haughtiness of just being the most powerful magic manipulator well, on the face of her globe? Yeah, well, that's interesting that- because in in the War of the Ancients trilogy, uh, Manoroth Manoroth is is one of the pit lords. Obviously, he confronts Ashara and he thinks for a moment about killing her, like squashing her like a bug, because she's this tiny little thing compared to a pit lord, right? Right. And he realizes in that moment as he's looking at her that he can't do it. He can't, like, there's something stopping him from, he can't will himself to do it. And as he's looking at Ashara, he makes this observation that the only people who maybe eclipse her power are Kil'jaeden, Archimonde, and Sargeras. That's and he's it. not even sure about those previous And he's, he's not even sure about Archimonde and, you know, obviously, Kil'jaeden wasn't really there for that, but Archimonde was, and yeah. he, he wasn't, he was perhaps Archimonde, definitely Sargeras, but she's, like, right there. And, and she, That's whatever it was, that compulsion that kept him from killing her, I think that that's part of, that's why I kind of lean towards the theory that Maybe she wasn't as beloved as everybody thought she was. Maybe mm-hmm. she had, she was just powerful enough to have the entirety of Night Elf civilization enthralled, and which like, is ugh, uh, scary, you know? <laughs> interesting to think about that, too, from another angle, in that she may have learned how to do that because they all loved her. Yeah. Because, you know, if you believe that you deserve that kind of love and you're that magically powerful, like, She's the thing about her that really kind of terrifies me. It, what you pointed out about Manoroth is terrifying, but the other thing that's terrifying is that at no point during the entire fracas, which we will cover, I'm sure, did she ever hesitate for a second. There is no such thing as uncertainty in Ashara. Mm-hmm. No, she does not doubt, and that's the most terrifying aspect I think of any villain, really. Like, if there's no, hum- like, quote-unquote humanity or night elfness, whatever you want to call it, if there's no moral compass, like, if there's nothing that, that possibly questions her decisions inside of her head, that makes her potentially the most dangerous thing you could possibly encounter. Yeah, I mean... Being, yeah, oh, go, sorry, Anne, go ahead. Xavius, Xavius came to her and Xavius said, okay, I want to use the Well of Eternity, and this is what we're going to do with it. And she's like, okay, hit me with it. And he says, I want to cleanse the world. Mm-hmm. And she, and then he says, and then I want to make it a perfect reflection of you. And she's like, I'm in. <laughs> she doesn't care that cleansing the world means exterminating three quarters of her own population because they weren't worthy anyway. Yeah. She's cold hearted. She just doesn't care. And it's, like, it's interesting that she is like, you know, she was so beloved. She had that ability to make people love her because she doesn't seem to feel love at all. No. No. Like, the closest she ever comes to expressing a love is that Sargeras is so perfect that it's almost like she wants him as a possession. Yeah, she wants to be his consort. That's it. Yeah, but 
it's almost more like she wants to ha- like it's not that she wants to be his anything. She wants him to be She wants to her. own it. Con- yeah. There's really- well, yeah, he wants she wants him to be her consort pretty much because she's yeah. the queen. Yeah. So even though he is literally the destroyer of worlds, he is if he's not a god then he's, you know, and she's like, "Meh." You know, yeah, he's he's good enough. That's the thing that I really feel like we don't ever point out enough. When other people like when, when, the Lich King kind of got egocentric and you know maniacal and thought he sure. was, you know, but Arthas started out doubting. That's how he yeah. got into this mess. Ashara never doubted for a second. No, there's no doubts expressed. Uh, one of the funniest things about doing that encounter, if you do the the um, the Well of Eternity dungeon. Is when you fight Ashara, and the entire fight consists of her kind of just standing there watching you fight. She's like, eh, oh, maybe you'll, what if what if that hand gets to them? What will happen then? No, okay, I'm done now. This was boring. Bye. Like soloing that fight at level 100 is still a pain in the butt. Yeah, because she might mind control you. Because of the mind control thing. Yep. And, and it's pretty much if she mind controls you, you're done. Yeah. Um. Which is again, it just kind of that's kind of a reflection of of who she was back then. That that you know she pretty much she had I think she had I think she probably had nearly everyone under this kind of mass compulsion. And the closer you were to Zinashari, and the closer you were to the palace, and the closer you were to her, the more it kicked in. Even, like even Vash, the rebellion, yeah, even the rebellion against the the burning legion didn't wasn't originally a rebellion against her they thought they, they wanted had to, to protect save her, her. Mm-hmm. yeah they they thought they had to save her and they didn't realize that she was merrily watching the world burn and sipping wine up in the palace going okay you know you know what's an interesting thing about that 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 idea too though is how she distributed that power throughout the entirety of that uh, of the race or through all the far spread regions of of the night elf population have, and um, anybody who's played the game, you, if you've gone around anywhere in Outland or Old Azeroth, you'll notice that there's a ton of statues everywhere for yep. her. And you can always find them. I'm wondering if that was something that was constructed specifically by her to further push her influence. Not just Absolutely. because, like, the likeness, but what if there was some magic? Because they're all smashed, right? They're all, they're all destroyed. They're all in ruins for one reason or another. Some in areas that are otherwise untouched. What if that was what if that was part of it? Hard to say. Were like the statues held part of the compulsion type thing? Or they were part of her focus or part of her like network of whatever spell she was. That's creepy. (laughs) Right? Because you know, it doesn't even need to have cast a spell though, if you think about it. If it's simply a matter of getting reminding everyone I am the icon of our people. Like if if her influence is magical, it doesn't necessarily have to be the kind of magic she casts. Sure. It just needs to be a reminder that she exists. Yeah. And that's enough. Uh, like and a think program. about it too. Like if you think about like um magic as a situ- is a situation where will derives through symbols and for in for in foci, she becomes the living foci of the people. She becomes them. They they it's reflexive to admire. It's interesting that the only people who seem really not to be immune to it were the priests. Of Alun, yeah. The priests of Alun, who kinda had their own icon. They had Alun. Yeah. It feels like Ashara was very, very definitely pushing them out of her culture. Like, they they were not very powerful. When you read the, the uh, War of the Ancients books, they were, they were kind of, like, respected as they used to be important to the people, but they really weren't anymore. Not the Highborn were around. Which is no. also kind of interesting, too, when you consider some of her nicknames and, and epitaphs that she had, or 
Uh, she was what is daughter of the moon, flower of the moon, light of the moon, light of a thousand moons, radiance of the moon. Like it seems pretty focused and targeted at at that as well. So that that lends some credence to that, I think. Yeah. So basically, where the ancients went down, uh, as Shara ended up, well, as Shara didn't end up defeated, Sargeras ended up defeated. The 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 portal that was supposed to bring Sargeras to Azeroth was destroyed. And because of that, we got the Sundering. Um, the continent, the continents at that point were just one big continent called Kalimdor. And when the Well of Eternity, when that portal pretty much detonated when it, when it closed, it created such a backlash of force right over this giant, uber-powerful, magical well of all things magical in existence or, you know, however you want to refer to it, that it actually shattered the continent into pieces and those pieces kind of spun out into the continents that we have today. Um, and... Zineshari, the palace, it flooded. It it started it started to sink. And Ashara was just kind of stuck in there and she knew that she was stuck in there. So she didn't even there wasn't even like a, a, a moment of fear in all of that either. She just went and she sat on her throne. She brought in all of her most loyal and had them sitting around her at the throne and they're all scared and they're all and she's just sitting there. And they slowly begin to sink into the ocean and as they're going under the water she makes a magical shield that kind of keeps them from drowning. And then all of a sudden this voice starts speaking to her and it says, uh, there is a way you will become more than you ever were. We can help. You will be more than you've ever been. And when the time comes for what we grant you, you will serve us well. And she said, okay. And that shield collapsed water filled her lungs. She didn't drown. Nobody drowned. They were transformed and they were transformed into the Naga. Um, the implication in the Well of Eternity or in, in the books, in the trilogy, uh, the War of the Ancients trilogy, was that this was an old god that was speaking mm-hmm. to her. Um, and the old gods pretty much transformed the remnants of the Highborn into the Naga. The specific remnants of the ones that served. Because some of the Highborn actually realized this is nuts. <laughs> yeah. Some of the Highborn were like, you know what? Um, as much as I like magic, and I do, I really like magic a lot. I mean, wow, magic is cool. But um, I want to live on the planet here. So like, we're just going to like vacate. Sun and the grass and having legs. Yeah. <laughs> having legs. <laughs> having legs is pretty dang sweet. We'd like and, to be where the people are. Yeah. <laughs> Thank or, you. Or, or at least just not. <laughs> dead with on a burning world destroyed yeah. by a mad demon god so so yeah we're gonna we're gonna work with those guys i i and they're not really gonna trust us either and it's gonna be a whole thing but but better them than you i think at this point uh you're, so you're... here's here's the fascinating part about all of this though okay so we've already got it established manoroth pretty much established it that the only two people Possibly three, if you count Archimonde on this, or excuse me, Kill Jaden on the same power level, as it were. Let's DBZ this uh, with Archimonde is Sargeras, Archimonde, Kill Jaden. That's it, right? And that was when Ashara was ruling in the palace, perched on the edge of the Well of Eternity, eternally powerful. Yeah, that's 10,000. She years. sank into the ocean, and the old mm-hmm. god said, Let's give you some more power. So, where does that put her on the scale of? bad things that Sargeras probably wants to ally with. 
Well, it's certainly, I mean, I still don't know that she eclipses Archimonde, but it's hard to say at this point. The it old depends gods on the, what the old gods gave her. Well, the old gods and the titans, it's like, it's almost like we're talking about if apples and oranges both wanted to kill us. Yeah. It's very hard to like equate them. They're both very Ashar's, evil fruit. Yeah, Ashar is <laughs> the first one I can think of. Yeah. Ashar is the first one I can think of who's actually managed to make deals with both and yet retain her independence of action. You know, and, the, and it also questions, and you're talking about her gain of power, at this point, does she even need anything from the Burning Legion? If, she's, if she was always already that powerful and she saw them as, eh, okay, what about now? Well, here's like, the fun part. Fast forward, we've heard nothing from Ashara for 10,000 years. Nothing at all. Not a peep. Have we seen Naga all over the place? Oh, heck yeah. Has Vosh come out and been, you know, a force to be reckoned with? Yes, but Vosh was her handmaiden. Vosh wasn't really, she was, she was nowhere near the level of power that Ashara possessed. Um, Ashara herself was pretty much absent. You saw her once. Cataclysm mm-hmm. hits. Yeah. The cataclysm hits, Deathwing busts out of the world, shatters things. Um, there's all this stuff going on where the old gods are pretty clearly in control behind Deathwing. And of course, you know, with the Twilight cult and all of that, um, in Darkshore, Darkshore is hit particularly hard. Um, there's elementals all over the place. There's a giant tornado in the middle of the zone. Malfurion's down there and he's, he's come out of his slumber. Malfurion's down there just trying to hold that section of the world together and keep it from being torn apart. As you play through Darkshore, and I do recommend that, you know, if you're playing an Alliance character, I kind of recommend playing through Darkshore. Yes, it's kind of a downer from a story perspective. Um, it's, but it's it doesn't, so it doesn't, it doesn't have a happy ending, but there's something beautiful in the fact that it doesn't have a happy ending. And there's something, you know, obviously the reveal at the end uh, Malfurion's working to figure out what's going on with all of this. Um, you uncover that Ashara is responsible for everything that's gone down in Darkshore. And mm-hmm. the reason that she's doing all of this stuff in Darkshore is to keep Malfurion busy so that everybody can go up to Hyjal and attack up there. He finds out about this, and then he takes off for Hyjal. And then you run into him later when you hit level 80 or 85, whichever it was. 80? 80. When you hit level 80, you go to Hyjal, and then all of a sudden, oh, Malfurion's up there. He's finished off what he's doing in Darkshore. But Ashara, pretty much, she doesn't try to kill him or anything. She, she basically, you know, she kind of taunts him. She says, yep, cool, glad you showed up. Glad we kept you busy. Hope you don't mind. Half of Hyjal's in the flames right now. See you later, buddy. And disappears. Yeah, I think that's because if we also get to see what the Naga are doing, at least. It's not yeah. Ashara herself. We get to see what the Naga are doing in Cataclysm. And I think it suits her to distract him from Hyjal, but then it suits her to send him to Hyjal. Yeah, because the last, the, thing other... she wants, yeah. <laughs> the last thing she wants is for him to go to Vashir. Yeah, she doesn't want him to go underwater or to send anyone. She, she's, you know, she's got a huge plan, which, uh, quite frankly, her plan comes off. Oh, yeah. Uh, her plan works. If you go through, um, if you go through Vashir and you do the um, th- is Throne, it Throne of Tides, Tides? yeah, Throne of Tides dungeon. At the end of that, everything Ashar wanted came to oh, pass. Oh, it, it goes. You know, you you thanks to you. In fact, it's another one of those examples of you know, 
I, I almost feel like at this point the, 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 the higher powers of Azeroth should be like, oh god, they're here. How is this going to go terribly, terribly wrong? <laughs> My money's on Neptalon's going to end up face hugged by a kraken and, and you know. I still maintain they went off to get married. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, like it was just Ashara's entire plan. I mean, yeah, Ashara's entire plan was: I want Neptalon out of my way because then I can rule the oceans. There will be nothing that can stop me if he's gone. She has. She technically, right now, we don't know what happened to Neptalon at the end of Throne of Tides because the Kraken just sort of takes him and takes uh-huh. off. However, you know, judging from everything else that we saw in Vashir, the Naga basically have the elemental lord of water in their possession. And if we know Ashara and we know what she was capable of back during the war of the ancients, it's safe to say that Neptalon is probably firmly under her thumb right now. Oh yeah. 100% under her control. In, in, in not just that scheme though, too. I mean, if you look at the, and we can even take it a step forward and talk about everybody's favorite topic, the Emerald, uh, the Emerald dream and the Emerald nightmare a little bit. I mean, so here's Xavius again, right? Popping up. And it's this is her former right hand, also mysteriously saved by an old god who she just happened to be impacted with, with this huge, complicated, you know, incursion into the Emerald Dream, trying to corrupt everything. We don't know if that was part of possibly her plan too. I don't think that, or if that, that was, was really her. Just, just the old gods. Yeah, I don't think that was really her. I think that was the old gods. But here's here's the important point to come out of Cataclysm, though. Okay, at the end of Cataclysm, what happens? We defeat Deathwing. We defeat Deathwing. He gets possessed by old god tentacle madness. We beat that back and destroy it. Utterly destroy it. We've basically defeated not only, you know, the harbinger of the end of the world. We've stopped the Hour of Twilight, which seemed to be what the old gods were going for. We've thwarted them. We've thwarted them every step of the way. So here's Ashara under the water looking at all of this and going, okay, I allied with these guys and they just got their butts royally kicked. So now what? Hmm. And I think that that's why it makes it a little more reasonable that she might tie into whatever we have going ahead because she's got nothing really. She's got Neptalon. She's got the world, but she hasn't really got, she's still a Naga. So, you know, how much can she feasibly do? This would be an excellent opportunity for Sargeras or somebody on Sargeras' behalf to approach her again and go, hey, so you remember that whole thing about how we were going to be BFFs for life and get married and all this other stuff? Are you still down for that? That's an interesting perspective she's kind of thread, left in a space right? yeah she's kind of left in a space where that could conceivably happen you know what i mean yeah i don't i don't necessarily think she would she wouldn't go into an alliance naively no i, I honestly oh. think that this is one of those cases where ashar if ashar goes into an alliance with the legion it's at this point i think that we should they've got to the give her they've got to give her something well the way we she dealt with the old gods was interesting in that the old gods wanted her to do stuff and she did it but always up to a point and then took care of herself. Right. Like, she kept Malfurion busy. And this is actually kind of interesting because for all her power, her power does not seem to be based around pure force. No. Ashara doesn't fight if she doesn't have to. 
Like when when Malfurion shows up next to you on the on the beach and he's all like, you know, she's like, yeah, I I've got no interest in a slap fight with you. I did what I wanted. You came down here. Uh, we've been chatting for you know while we're chatting, your people are on fire. Yeah, so go ahead, go ahead and attack me. I'll leave, and you can you know be impotent here, or you can go run up to Nigel and be impotent there. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me either way. I got what I, I wanted. I did my job. I'm out. And then immediately the Naga start their plan uh, alongside the, the servants of the old gods in in uh, in Vashir. And the thing is, is that they're they're side by side with them. If you do the battle maiden quest, you see them going side by side for a long period. And then when suddenly when we're hitting uh, the throne of tides, the Naga are there, but it's like Ashara no longer cares at all about the objective. No. Is the old gods' servants want to hold the throne of tides? That's what they want. They want to be in control of it. She doesn't care about the throne of tides. No, she she was focused on one she target. She cares about the elemental lord that is in the throne of tides. That's all she cares about. It's like it's a heist movie where she Ashara is basically turned into a character who is like in heist movies, and she always gets away. Yeah, she always has like the backup gambit that she's actually more interested in, and she lets the, her allies take the brunt of whatever. So working with the Legion would make perfect sense for her, because then again, she can let her allies take the brunt of the damage. She can let them; they can go fight, and if it, it'll get her one step closer to whatever she's looking for, and she's pretty well poised for that because, as you pointed out, she's got Neptalon. Neptalon's yeah. power was so great that it destroyed a troll empire. Wiped it off the face of Gur- of the Gurubashi, you know, just took it out. The Gurubashi were immensely powerful. They could pull spirits from you know nowhere to Azeroth. They pulled the god Hakar to our world, and she has a power sufficient to completely destroy them, because it did with just a couple of krakens. So, right now, the fact that Ashar hasn't already taken out most like a, a surface kingdom or two is because she doesn't want to. Well, she also, doesn't serve her purposes, that's all. Well, and there's also that speculation, too, that she might have been a little busy, too, during Cataclysm. On top of that, since isn't uh, Naz Jatar right below the Maelstrom? Theoretically. Theoretically. So, I mean, like, there not there that whole theory that she might have been dealing with fallout from Deathwing's not only emergence into the world, but also his death would happen at the exact same spot? Because we don't know any fallout there. I mean, we also don't know what happened with Deathwing's body after we destroyed it and sent it back into the Maelstrom. Well, it kind of went poof into golden dust because yeah. we shot that little golden dragony thing. I don't know exactly what happened at the end of that fight. I was I more, more interested in what was in the loot <laughs> chest or his jaw, I guess, which was also the loot chest. Um, Rossi, do you remember what happened at the end of that fight? Wasn't it? Like Thrall went up and he went all Super Saiyan and shot a beam of light and then yeah, you know, basically, that explosion. Keep in mind that I was really like most of my time in that fight was spent trying to keep gigantic tentacles from killing <laughs> <Yeah>. you guys. <laughs> uh, in both cases, at one point or another, either one of you was somebody that might get killed. So uh, when I was doing that fight, I was spending most of my time watching that. But what happens, as far as I can tell, is that the the four aspects all give they like lend their power to Thrall via like shooting beams and talking a lot. And then Thrall uses that power through the Dragon Soul to basically unravel Deathwing entirely. Yeah, like, and he just kind of explodes. To the point where he doesn't, dust, doesn't he? He doesn't, he doesn't just explode. Something, something that uh oh god, I can't remember his name. Uh, Martin Sheen. Neltharion? No, not Neltharion. What is Martin Sheen? No, it's Dormu. Thank God. No, Dormu says, you know, I'm going to. Not only am I killing you, I'm killing you in every time. 
I'm unmaking you. Yeah. You don't exist anymore from this point. <laughs> he was real serious about it. So, yeah. uh, that's, yeah, it, it's one of those situations where he, he ain't just dead. He's really most sincerely dead. He's like, you know, you know, exist. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is like at this point, we have to kind of wonder because, uh, you know, at the end of Cataclysm, it was it was kind of um, vague ish, but not vague, vague. Because there was that whole, you know, that whole cut scene at the end. And there was the implication that the dragon flights are pretty much no wow. more like they don't they don't have the power that. They they fulfilled the task that was given to them by the Titans. Either they fulfilled the task or they just used it, like one or the other. And it's, it is still kind of vague, you're right. And that, that task, theoretically that task was to prevent the Hour of Twilight from happening. And since they did that, they expended the last of their powers doing that. And now it's supposedly the Age of Mortals has begun and we're the ones in charge. So what do we do? We go to Pandaria and then we mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is what you know that is what we do the age of mortals is going to have a lot of little hiccups on its oh, way oh my gosh is it ever apparently you know it also involves tearing holes in reality because but that's another thing to think about though in terms of ashara yeah because ashara is is like ten thousand plus years old mm-hmm. she's not immortal like she, well, she never we, she we never benefited that. well she never benefited from the pact with the, uh, she dra- never benefited from the pact, but what did the old gods do to her? Uh, we don't know that either. They, we've seen a few artists' renditions of her. Sometimes she looks like a normal naga. Sometimes she looks like an octopus. I yeah, mean, like, you know, which you know, of course, they pull an Ursula with her yeah. a lot. But whatever she is now, does she count as mortal? Is is she can she step forward and like re- legitimately say, well, since it's the age of mortals, uh, I happen to be immortal and I happen to have tremendous power, so I think I'm in charge now. Well, the other yeah. thing about that too, the reason I brought up the Deathwing encounter is because if she exists right under there, Wu is one of the principal opponents to her and her power in ruling. It was the dragon flights. If she happened to be looking in on that fight, see senses the expenditure of the power, so all of a sudden these giant blips of power are no longer on her radar. Wouldn't that be impetus for her to start coming back? See, I don't you would think. think. She needs to, I don't think she even needs to be spying on them to know things have changed. Because I think this yeah. is one of the situations where the very fact that it happened is enough to send ripples through everybody. Sure, but I'm uh, saying in some in some capacity, she has to know, right? I think she has to know. But here's the thing: does she care? That's the real problem. We don't know what she wants. She was incredibly vain and arrogant. Well, we she can assume might, revenge, right? No, not really. We can't assume that. She kind of got her well, revenge when she ripped do... up Darkshore. Isn't she it... might... It's possible that she doesn't want revenge because what's the what's the old saying? The best revenge is living right. If if yeah. Ashara can accomplish all of her goals, she doesn't need revenge. She's outlived most of the people who are problems. You know, you know who I think would be fascinating to see Ashara do. What if she reached out to Maev? Oh yeah. Said so, you know I could see Ashara saying look. You want our society the way it was. And I want our society the way it was. When Here's the thing. We don't know that Ashara is content being a Naga or whatever I don't know, she is. I don't know as Maiev would actually like listen to Ashara, though, because mm. Maiev was pretty much anti-highborn. Oh, yeah. Very well, gung-ho about anti-highborn. That was, you know, and certainly she took that one to task when she started killing them. Yeah. But, 
but I'm saying, you know, there's there is something there where you know we don't know what Ashara's goals are. That's what makes her fascinating because she has yet to actually play her. She hasn't shown her hand. She hasn't like you know. If, did you guys ever watch Gargoyles? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember the character Xanatos? Yeah. Yes. Ashara is in a position to be Demona and Xanatos at the same time, mm-hmm. where she's this hardened survivor of all this stuff. She's like, you know, you've already mentioned she had the gold eyes. She had the, you know, the, the, the great destiny. In another world, Ashara might have been the greatest druid of all time. We don't, you know, something great about her. She never got to really, you know, she never got to show it in the ways that her culture would deem acceptable. And she sort of defined her, her culture and then defined what, everything that was wrong with it. She became the symbol of everything that they thought was wrong with themselves. And she, you know, she seems to have taken that to heart. Like, you know, I don't care. You know, what what I am is fantastic. And I don't know, there's just so much potential for her to come back and you have no idea where she's going to jump. You have no idea. Is she going to work with the Burning Legion? If so, is she only working with them till they until she's done? What's she going to do? I, I That's what I like about this character. That's the, that's the fascinating part mm-hmm. is, you know, even if she did ally, and I'm air quoting here, if even if she did ally with the Burning Legion, how much of an allegiance really is that? You know, and how much of that is her just serving her own interests and what happens? I mean, can she best the Burning Legion? Is she capable of that? Or does she, you know, does she look around and say, hmm, where will I find a bunch of maniac killers to deal with the Legion now that I'm done? Oh, right. Those crazy Mm -hmm. people. They they killed Deathwing. I'll just point them over there. Well, and that's, I mean, like, like you said, that's one of the things I love about her. She plays the long game, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's very interesting. Long. And she's she's that personality. She's the Kaiser Soze of, you know, Warcraft, so to speak. She plays that long. And she's she's embedded in there, and it, I think that would be absolutely hysterical if we go hellbent after the the Burning Legion. The Burning Legion comes back, and we don't know why. And all of a sudden, we're fighting them because she's got all of her goals accomplished. And we find out later on that we just did her bidding. That would be amazing. Plus, I mean, with Ashara, I mean, the other thing about her is that this is, I, I and Anne made the point, but it hasn't really, we haven't said it, I don't think, strongly enough. Right now, the most powerful magic user we know of on Azeroth is probably Jaina, except Ashara, if she is to be believed, Ashara is many times greater than Jaina. For one thing, so Ashara, has ten, Ashara has 10,000 years of experience. And she was probably better than Jaina is back then. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think Jaina can just wave her hand and, like, at Manoroth's like, I'm going to go somewhere else. No. You know? And the thing is, the thing is that when, that, when that encounter happens, uh, she goes up to Manoroth and is like, what are you people doing? Why is, why is Sargeras not here? Why is the portal not open? Why are you losing? And why are he, you people messing this up? <laughs> and she's doing that to Manoroth. He, he doesn't, she doesn't cast any spells on him. She doesn't even attempt to exert her power. He just thinks about trying to kill her and realizes, realizes, nope. I shouldn't try to do that. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. That's the thing that makes, that's, you know, we have never seen Ashara go full bore. We don't uh-uh. know what her c- capacities are. I, is it, is she, pr- you know, I think in terms of pure destructive power, she probably rates below Deathwing. But that pure destructive power isn't her goal. She, if she wanted to blow stuff up, you know, she can get people to do that for her. That's her. That's, she that's has where Neptalon. She yeah. She could get Neptalon to do it for her. 
And that's just we we that's only the one thing we know about. You know, there were like there was this really cool storyline in BC where the Naga heretics were fighting the Naga, the you know, the main Naga. The heretics all worship Nepton and they were like, "No, she's mad." And it's kind of weird to think of did they see this coming? Did they know she was going to do this? Was this Neptalon thing a plan? Had it been a plan for a long time? Was she just waiting for the right moment? Yeah, and... Is man. This, it Was the cataclysm... Was that what they had Ashara waiting for? Because they did say, you know, again, that that line... That line that they gave her when they turned her into a Naga, they said, when the time comes for what we grant you, you will serve us well. But, you know, that time, maybe Cataclysm was that time. Yeah, maybe. Or for that matter, maybe it hasn't come yet. We don't know. We don't even know what old god, if any, if it was all of them or some of them or what. We don't know which one it was. Theoretically, it was Nazoth because that was the name. Yeah, that was the name that was mentioned. Um but we didn't really hear anything about him in detail over the course of Cataclysm. Yeah, his, okay, his, so we... Yeah, we've... Go. Sorry. We've got, we've got about, like, ten minutes left on the show, and we do actually have a question from Patreon Ooh, okay. for this week, so I figure we'll go ahead and throw that one out there and talk about that a little bit, if that's okay with you guys. Absolutely. Sure. Okay, so this is from Amrun Sul. Amrun Sul. Thank you for the pronunciation guide, Amrun Sul. Um who says, I hope this is the right place to ask questions of the lore watchers. If so, here's my question. Tinfoil hat. What if the anima that Raden was using is the blood of an old god, Yashard? And if the Titan's imprisonment of the Azeroth-bound old gods is for experimentation, doesn't the anima being used to morph the flesh of the Sorok bear striking resemblance to the warping of the Highborn into the Naga? which is where we kind of tie into what we're talking about today, <laughs> given all the explanation that we have of their origins. All the best, Amran Sol. I wrote a KYL that basically argued this exact thing. Okay. Back in the day. I think it was like the, the last one I wrote for the place that will not be named. Okay. Where it was basically the blood of an old god, because they talk constantly about blood, and the legion used the, the demons that the mm-hmm. legion uses to uh, hunt down things. Originally they, originally, they were tuned to sacrificial magic. They hated sacrifice and would show up to punish it. Right. The Titan, the Titans actually made them. So, uh, I don't, I don't know that the blood of an old god is what the anima is, but it certainly is as good an explanation as for any as to what it does. And the funny thing is, the blood of the old god, the anima, is almost exactly inverse to the waters of the Well of Eternity. Yeah, the Well of Eternity well, uplifts you, whereas the the waters, the blood, the anima kind of changes you, but it doesn't necessarily uplift you. It warps you. Yeah, it almost feels like you never hear of anything getting you know exposed to a well of eternity and getting weaker or dumber or twisted. And for that, we kind of have to go back to the origins of the night elves. The night elves were originally dark trolls way back when. Something happened. They there's there's a story, and the story just kind of varies from from person to person, and whether you're talking to a troll or you're talking to a night elf, but. This group of dark trolls went into the forest and they changed profoundly and they either evolved or they were shifted into what are the night elves today mm-hmm. or what the night elves are today. Excuse me. Um, so and it's interesting, too, because the night elves kept changing. 
Like, yeah. the, the High Elves only existed because they left Kalimdor, and once they were far enough away from the, uh, the, the Well of Eternity, they started changing again. Profoundly changing. Yeah, and they got, you know, like their shorter. stature, their skin tone, their hair color, whether or not they were awake during the night or the day, you know, that kind of thing. All of that shifted in a yeah. really profound way. Now, the question is, is it because they were far enough away from the Well of Eternity or is it because of whatever they found when they landed on the Eastern Kingdoms? That's a fair question that I don't really know the answer to and nobody does really. Because if but, we're talking but, about old god blood changing people... Yeah, and that, if we're certainly... talking about that whole story with the with the High Elves where they arrived on the Eastern Kingdoms and some of them started going mad because they heard voices deep below the earth. Yeah. That would kind of lend itself to that pretty well. Weird. Coincidence? And Maybe. The other, thing, the other thing that's interesting about the Anima versus the Well and, and the you know the Titans versus the Old Gods is when Rodin gained his power, he got it through basically ripping the heart out of I'm not Rodin, the, the Thunder King got his power from ripping out Rodin's heart. Yeah, and when we killed the Thunder King, we gave his heart to Marathion. Oh God! And Marathion ate it, and then he had weird visions of you know the final Titan and so forth that we don't really understand. It was kind of crazy. But it seems definite that the power can transfer. You know, you you can actually take that power and incorporate it into yourself. Uh, We don't know if the animal works that way, and we don't know. But it seems possible that it does because. Remember that the uh, the the, the uh, Mogu reverse engineered the Curse of Flesh. They they literally straight up figured out how to apply it backwards to turn themselves back into stone. Right. Were they using the anima to do that? Like, did they take the say to the anima, okay, uh, see all this stuff that happened to us? Because the thing is that the Curse of Flesh, it doesn't. It's one of those situations where the Curse of Flesh seems awfully similar to what the Well of Eternity does. Yeah. It seems like it's you know, and and. I don't know, this gets into the whole thing about t- about Matrix beings and, like, the whole idea of, like, Ultimon basically implies that on Azeroth, the world was different, and so they made, like, harder beings to fight and to shape it. Like, the Earthen and the Vrykel and all those iron figures, the ones that use iron and stone, that, Ultimon comes out and says, that's not how we normally do things, but we did it here because it was so, it was so necessary. And Rathion, when Rathion gets that heart, Anduin is there. I'm looking at the quest text right now. Anduin says, what are you doing? You're not seriously going to eat that. And Rathion says, it's filled with Titan magic, the language of creation. And then he eats the thing and he says, oh, I see them. A million, million worlds glittering in their perfection, but one above all others. And then he starts talking with that weird, funky voice. And he says, we have fallen. We must rebuild the final Titan. Do not forget. And then he collapses. And when he gets back up, he says, it's gone. I don't remember any of it. Oh, none of them remembered the irony. Yeah. And there's something really, like, if we could understand what he was talking about, I, I think we'd understand exactly what Azeroth was. Altogether. Yeah, certainly. The fact that the old god blood, if the anime is old god blood, seems like some kind of weird yang to the yin of the well of eternity Kind of well, it's kind of interesting because there was, there was a point in time where I wrote a tinfoil hat edition of Know Your Lore where I discussed the Well of Eternity and um, I, I theorized that maybe the well itself was the blood of a dead titan because it's the blood of creation. Maybe. I mean, that kind of implies that, you know, old gods and titans might not be as different as we think they are. I know, right? 
which is another tinfoil hat theory that I have yet to write, but it's on my list of things to do at some point. Anyway, to answer the question what we were actually asked, <laughs> it, it is it, it's that we don't know that you know we haven't yet had any specific what the anima is statement from anyone. It's, it's possible. Yeah, it's blood magic. We know that much, and it does definitely change and twist things. The Sorok in particular are fascinating because the Sorok feel like an attempt to do what you know. It's like they they didn't want to rely on the well because the the, the well the, the the mogul would have seen the well affect the uh oh god i can't remember the name the jinyu the well yeah the jinyu are what happens if you put a murloc in the well of eternity or in this case possibly the which the, is uh, veil, apparently know. they get the same skeleton as a male night elf which is kind of appropriate in a way yeah. <laughs> so i mean they would have seen that but they didn't want to rely on it because it was like it's it's almost as if the mogu were afraid to to tamper with the well too much because they uh, maybe, don't draw on it much. You'll notice or maybe that they the were afraid they, that it was going to cancel out their works to... Like, or maybe it like, is Titan blood and mm, they hold it sacred so they didn't want to mess with it. Or they were afraid that it would flesh them again. Right, that's, that's what I was going to say. Like It was going to be something that would completely reverse all the work they had with going back to stone. So, yeah, lots of... You know, we didn't really answer your question because we don't know. But lots of, lots but of stuff okay. happening. But it's We threw a bunch of other stuff out there. <laughs> So let's go ahead and we're about to hit that whole one hour point, but um, I want to go ahead and start wrapping this up. So, uh, Joe, final thoughts as Shara, Blood, Titans. I would love to see Azara come back. She's one of the most captivating uh, supervillainous powers we've had that has been largely untouched in the game uh, compared to some of the others and offers a wonderful opportunity for both fantastic stories, filling in the gaps and a villain that might actually be better than we are, and we just can't admit it yet. As far as the animus and blood of the old gods, uh, I definitely say that that's a wonderful possibility. Uh, it is entirely possible that it could be old god blood, because old gods tend to be popping up everywhere, and we have the whole old god dead and the heart pumping everywhere. Definitely within the realms of possibility. It's just one of those things where right now there's, there's a bubble, right? We're at the edge of a bubble. And there's so many different ways that the story of this of this world that we love can go. And these are interesting points that could possibly burst that bubble and explode it into any one of those directions. And I'm looking very forward to seeing which way it goes. Okay. Rossi, final thoughts? Uh, uh, I just had one of those moments where my brain just said, wait a minute. Ashara controls Neptalon, water elemental. Waters of the well of eternity, eternity. change and create new life. Change and create new life, possibly reversing things like old god form changing. If you wanted, if you were extremely vain, and you wanted to ascend to a godlike perfection again, and you didn't want to be a naga anymore, you might want That'd to control the well of eternity's mm. magic, or possibly that of the veil, which is why you might be looking for a pearl of Pandaria, which we know the naga were looking for. This, all this stuff is tied together. You could, you can find all these. The naga. Are, Possibly the best idea for the next expansion would be Naga-centric, just in terms of it finally tying together stuff we've been seeing since Cataclysm. Because it would tie together Cataclysm, it would tie together Mists. It could even tie Warlords into it and make Warlords matter. Well, see, and here's the thing. Here we have Gul'dan, who has escaped. He would be a pretty good candidate to be kind of... Sormar! Avatar of Sargeras or somebody who's bearing Sargeras's oh, word. They're, they're going to clear Suramar. 
Yeah. Because it's right there, and she has yeah. metal on. She can just tell him, move the water. Yeah. And that's where the, the Avatar Sargeras is. Yep. Oh, yep, yep. Oh, Which man, okay. means that, oh, we'd be in and for wouldn't a that be world wonderful? of hurt, wouldn't we? And wouldn't that be wonderful if maybe it was her whispering that wound up getting uh, Garrosh freed in the first place, and this was all just one giant freaking distraction? It was one giant plan because she works on such a large, so a large scale. scale that that's why Warlords uh-huh. of Hurt happened to begin with is because it was her plan to get us off the planet long enough for her to finish up. Which would be just brilliant because, I mean, the only thing, the only thing potentially scarier than an old god on Azeroth is Ashara. Yeah. Just because she one-ups them. And, and you have to kind of wonder. And, I mean, if we do see her come into an expansion at some point... I want to see her backstory. I want to see where she came from. I want to see where her origins, who were her parents. Give us us a battle maiden quest where we actually Uh, are Ashara. Yeah, yeah. Give us some sort of inclination of where she came from exactly. Because the fact that she's this powerful, powerful enough to rule the night elves without question, powerful enough to slaughter her own people, and yet they're still looking to save her, Powerful enough to stay off Manoroth, powerful enough to kidnap, successfully pull off the kidnapping of an elemental lord. It, y- you have to wonder where did that power come from? Where was it? Was she just born with it, or was there something else there? And if there was something else there, where did it come from? What was it? Did the Titans do something with her that we didn't know about? You know Wasn't, that kind of thing. You know what? Here's a random question. Sure. When the, t- the 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 dead body of the uh, the Titan wasn't there was supposed to be one wasn't that in Darkshore? It was supposed to be, but it wasn't. It it, it didn't end up being uh, a dead body a of a titan. titan at all. It was, it was it wasn't it wasn't thought to be a Titan in the first place. Okay. It was thought to be a, an old god, and it turned out to be one of their servants. They yeah. called it the Master's Glaive because there was a sword broken off in its head, and the sword yeah. probably belonged to like a Titan servant, like a Watcher. Because okay, and um, how you know, long we, is it? That's been there for I, how long now? I stopped. Forever. It's been there forever. What if, what if that has something to do with it as well? I don't know. There's so many different threads you can pull on. Yeah, there is. But we're going to have to wrap it up for today. Um, so thank you for the final thoughts, guys. And obviously, as Shara, we would very much like to see her. Blizzard, we hope you're listening. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that they haven't forgotten about her. So Lorewatch is made possible and Blizzardwatch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast, the one we're recording right now, and the website and the community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzardwatch con- supporters and <laughs> Blizzardwatch supporters enjoy ex- exclusive benefits. Basically, you get the Lorewatch podcast immediately after we're done recording it. Same thing goes with the actual regular podcast, and you also get our pre-show and post-show with that. So you get the early access to the podcast, you get a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue. And again, if you have a question for us here at Lorewatch, you can go ahead and submit that to Patreon, and we'll try and pull one a week, one every couple of weeks, and see if we can go ahead and address your concerns. And you can also get an ads. Free site experience. So thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next time. <laughs>